Welcome to the Recovery Hour podcast. I'm getting all, I'm getting all shook up, honey. <laughs> Where we choose to recover out loud. Ready, set, go. Go for it. Ready. By sharing our personal stories of inspiration. Hush, I'm really good at this. Yes, you are. So far, so good, honey. Hope and triumph. Yoo-hoo! Together, we can end the stigma and shame typically tied to mental illness and the disease of addiction. We are proof that recovery does happen. Well, I, somehow we got disconnected. Joy and laughter may be involved. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Recovery Hour with Lori Winfeld. We're actually pretty conservative East Coast gals when it really comes down to it. Fuck you. <laughs> Welcome to the Recovery Hour. Today, I have such very, very special guests. I can't even contain my excitement. We have Kathy Robbins and Claire Garrity. Hi, ladies. Hi. Hi. So Claire and Kathy, I met through She Recovers, which is a women's recovery group that lives on the principles of we are all recovering from something, which means not necessarily substance abuse or alcohol use, but all the things. So both Kathy and Claire are She Recovers designated coaches as myself. I wanted to make this a special episode. I think it's so important to celebrate not only women in recovery, but just being in recovery, celebrate those things that we have chosen to do, which are live really happy, healthy lifestyles. And you two are inspiration for so many. What I'd love to start with is get a little background about each Claire and Kathy in your personal recovery stories and also how you two met. Oh my gosh, I'm going to ask you so many things. (laughs) How you two met, how you became business partners and friends and what your last 35 years has been like in recovery. (laughs) And get that all done in like 20 minutes, okay? (laughs) Okay. So Kathy, let's start with you. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your recovery story. Sure. Thank you again for having us, Laurie. This is really fun. I'm already having fun. (laughs) <laughs> and my name, as Laurie said, is Kathy Robbins, and I live in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, and I'm a woman in long-term recovery, celebrating, I can't believe, 32 years of alcohol-free living. Woohoo! Yeah, woohoo! August 28th. August 28th is an amazing day for Kathy. It's a shitty day for Lori because I was dating a boy in high school and our anniversary was August 28th and it's really like death day to me. Oh, sorry about that. I'm going to change my August 28th day to be celebratory for Kathy and screw Steve. I would say screw Steve and let's celebrate recovery. Yay! And, <laughs> and, you know, I've also been in, a, um, in recovery for a food disorder for 25 years. So it's, you know, it's, it's all of it. Like, like you were saying before. But it's the single best decision that I ever made in my life was entering the world of recovery. Of course, I didn't know that when it was happening. And, and it was really a defining moment in my life. And I think that, that my life is an example of the power of addiction and the promise of recovery. And I think I'm just so happy that we live at a time where we're celebrating recovery because it really is meant to be celebrated. I mean, life is just, it's really opened up my life in a way that has been incredible. And I think before, uh, before recovery, I was a person that was living out the script that was handed to her. And I was a go along to get along kind of person. 
And I think recovery really allowed me to say, what is it that I really want in my life? And then from there, I've gone and, and, <laughs> and created a life that I really love and that I don't want to escape from. Okay. Thank you, Kathy. That was amazing. Thank you for sharing your story. It's always so lovely to hear and getting that word out to others. And a quick question on your decision to enter the life of recovery. There's always this discussion about rock bottoms and did you hit one? Didn't you hit one? Are you really needing to be in recovery if you make a decision before you hit a rock bottom? What is rock bottom? So I would love to hear your opinion on that. Yes. Um, for me, I didn't have a rock bottom externally, but internally I did. And I think there is a difference. And for me, my entree into recovery was I walked into the doors of Al-Anon, which is the program for family and friends of. Yes. And I was, I, and I was living in an, in an alcoholic marriage. And my focus, I was, codependency is one of the things I'm recovering from also. So my focus was so on that other person and getting him sober. And I wasn't even aware that it was something that I was going to need to do. Even though if I, once I came out of denial and I recognized I come from this alcoholism in my family system, but I went to a family, he had gone into treatment and I went to the family program. And basically, I really had a fantastic counselor that was working with the families, and she really opened me up. And that was my, she said, you know, I think you need to go to Al-Anon. And also, are you willing to look at your own drinking? Would it be, could, you, could you not drink for, for six months to a year? Well, you're, my, that was my first husband. I'm, we're divorced now. Well, he is getting sober. And so that was a big challenge. Just, and, and I'm like, why should I stop drinking? You know, he's the one with the problem. Right. And then I realized, wait a minute, you know, the drinking was such a part of our lifestyle. And so it was, it was almost on a dare that I stopped drinking. And, but, you know, it was August, my birthday happens to be August 28th. Also, it was my birthday. And I just said, you know what, I'm not going to drink for a year starting now. And that was 32 years ago. So that's really the way it worked for me. And, and I woke up more and more. The longer I was in recovery, the more I was waking up. And I've come to really see that, thank God I stopped drinking when I did. And, and I, that I didn't make alcohol the, the center of my life. So that's my story. And I think it's an important story because I think oftentimes, at least when I was giving you know, up alcohol, there was this belief that you had to have a bottom. Right. And Claire was a great help, for, you know, really, when we're talking about friendship and recovery, I, we, the way we met was we went on a woman's retreat and it was for women in recovery. It was women in Al-Anon and women in AA. And retreat has been a big part of my recovery story. You know, fast forward 30 years, we went to the She Recovers re Retreat in Mexico so we've been doing a lot of retreats over the course of our recovery. But at that first retreat, I met incredibly empowering women that were on the recovery journey. So it really gave me inspiration and incentive to stay on the journey. And I think that's why friendship and relationships are so important on this journey. Yes, I agree. I agree. And that's why I was so excited that the two of you would, would come onto the podcast and just show other people, men and women, 
that even if it's just one person that's in your life that supports you and that understands your stuff, and I, that's something I feel I've struggled with. I have very supportive family members and a husband and friends that know drinking is not okay for Lori and will help her get there, but they don't understand that I'm not getting out of bed today because I feel like I'm going to die. Or, <laughs> you know, sometimes if you give me a little too much to do, my brain doesn't work or function properly. And so I can't do anything. And taking a shower was a real accomplishment today. So having people in that space, not that everyone in recovery <laughs> behaves that way, but it's, it's good to find people that, that understand those. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for sharing your story. Claire, we can't get on to this podcast without hearing your story. What say you, Claire? I'm Claire, and um, I uh, celebrated on June 2nd my 34th year being sober. I was a uh, child who really didn't have any self-esteem, really didn't have self. It was all about you, and it was all about uh, trying to get attention, and I wanted to be seen, I wanted to be heard, I wanted to be loved, and I spent my whole life trying, the first portion of my life, trying to get that. And uh, what happened was when I was, my jackpot was I was a, a sophomore, just finished my sophomore year in college when I got pregnant. And back there in 1961, uh, my gosh, shame on you that you should do such an awful thing. And um, I had been dating, um, I call him Papa Jim, which is my ex-husband. And I had been dating him for probably about two and a half years at the time, three years. Anyway, I brought shame on the family system and shame on myself. And I was told not to um, let anybody know that I was pregnant. Pretty hard thing when you're pregnant uh, not to show it. What I did was I tried to eat just properly. And what happened was I couldn't fill that empty hole and the shame was so great and I couldn't stop eating. And so I, you know, started to vomit and that uh, bulimia stayed with me for 30 years. Um, it was the way I couldn't face the shame. I could, you know, I'm not a good person. I'm a bad girl. I'm a bad girl. And at the same time, my dad was alcoholic and it was a progressive disease for him. And uh, so alcohol and food were very plentiful in my home and not all good food. Uh, alcohol was, you know, my dad used to have a saying that uh, when you give somebody a drink, make sure the first one's a good one. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was sipping out of the cabinets at a very young age. I went full blown alcohol and bulimia, food addiction, right at the same time. And I was pregnant. And that stayed with me. I couldn't face myself. And it was all about looking good. And as long as I could fool you, um, and you thought I was okay because I had a nice house and I had the nice stuff and I had, had four children and I had the handsome, handsome husband. And I, I was perfect looking when I left the house that everything was perfect when in fact nothing was perfect. There was such a crack in this story. And uh, I can remember one time my daughter had uh, gone down to the end of the street waiting for the school bus and she looked down at the holes in her sneakers, her choice, and thought to herself, I just don't belong. And of course she didn't belong because she was living in a story, a story of lies. And uh, my rock bottom was 
that this, I kept this secret, the bulimia and the alcohol. Well, I'd say almost 25 years wow. before anybody caught on. Wow. So anyway, uh, my youngest daughter took the secret outside the home and told a neighbor that her mother was an alcoholic and that uh, life wasn't worth living. And then said, you know, her sister had graduated from college and um, her brother is a big football star and her little brother, everybody loves them. And I've got braces on my teeth and I've got glasses. And uh, she said, it's just not worth living. And now my mother's an alcoholic. I know my mother's an alcoholic. And that woman, thank you, God, because I at 28 knew I liked alcohol too much. I couldn't even face the bulimia because it was so... Um, it, it just because it was, you know, I thought I was so sophisticated. <laughs> Here I am, you know, you know, with a beautiful home, the white picket fence, the, you know, the perfect husband, good looking. Um, I'm attractive myself, the nice cars, the kids in private school, we started our own company and we became very successful. And here I'm living this lie uh, in the depths of my soul. I hated myself. And so for 16 years, because I couldn't ask for help. I stayed in that turmoil and the diseases are progressive, no matter what it is. And so it was my daughter taking the family secret outside and uh, telling the neighbor that got me, whoa, you know, the gig is up. And I tried, you know, the first six months I didn't take a drink and I was crazy without help. And it wasn't until I joined Al-Anon to get Papa Jim because he's drinking way too much and he's an alky. And of course, I'm not drinking. <laughs> and I, when he came home, I read a book and it said, how to stop your loved one from drinking. <laughs> and I bought the book and I read it all that afternoon. And the one thing it said, do not try to do this alone. Get professional help. When the Papa Jim walked in the door, I stood up and I started screaming and yelling at him, you are a goddamn alcoholic and I'm going to tell the lieutenant governor, the governor, the vice president and the president of the United States. These kids are all going to Alateen and I'm going to Al-Anon. Oh my God. He looked at me and he said, you are crazy. <laughs> right. I was crazy. That's where my bottom was. And that's where the, I walked in the halls. And I, you know, I do a, a 12 step AA. I walked into the halls of AA and I, you know, saw this woman who her husband told me to give her a call and he, I, he was in Al-Anon and I called her. She was from Ireland. Both my parents were from Ireland. I saw her and she was standing there and she was a little short woman with an umbrella and a long raincoat. And I thought, oh yeah, I'm going to get rid of her real quick because, you know, I'm all dressed up driving this beautiful car and, you know, all dolled up to the nines to go to an AA meeting. <laughs> anyway, I hung on to her for dear life. And I tell you, that was the first best day of the rest of my life. And that was, I was 44 years old. I had been, um, you know, alcoholic for at least 25 years. And, you know, it took me another five years uh, to address the food. And we, I can talk about that later. Wow. That was my, that's my, how I got, the, how I got here. <laughs> well, and that's so much. I watched your face as you're telling the story. And this is 
Did you say 30 years later? It's 34 years. 34 years. Right. 34 years later, and you can still see the emotion that it brings up while you're telling the story. For sure. Which is so telling about people in recovery that you don't just wake up and you're recovered. It is something that you deal with on a daily basis. And what a brave thing for all of us to be out here telling our stories and sharing them and being so vulnerable. And I so, so, so appreciate the both of you for doing that. So thank you because you are changing the world. People are being helped today because of you. And I love it. So thank you. Now, thank you, Lauren. Oh, yeah, let's go, Kathy. We're getting ready to party. <laughs> getting ready to party. Well, you had said to um, explain the story of how you and Claire met, and I started to tell you we were yes. we went to a woman's retreat, and there was this wonderful woman that ran retreats. It was Al Anon women and AA women. I was working in, at the time, and so I arrived a little bit late. And she said, would you mind sharing a room with someone? And who was that person but Claire? And not only were we sharing a room, did we discover, but we were sharing a bed. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's going a little too far. I right? would have left. I am such a prima donna. I would have walked out the door. Well, you know what? I was, I was like, oh, yeah. And my husband was the one that said, I think this would really be a great thing for you to do. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this is odd. <laughs> but OK, but I, I'm one of 13 children. So I'm, it was, you know, it wasn't any big deal to have a sister jumping in bed with me or a little brother. Or, True. So, what, you know, I didn't my and I probably didn't have good boundaries then either. Right. So I went up to the room and Claire was there and I was so nervous. It was a pretty big bed, but I put a pillow in the middle just to make sure that she didn't, you know, invade on my side. And the first night I was like hanging off the bed, you know. And then the second night we, we got to know each other the next day. And the second night we talked until three o'clock in the morning. And as my son and my current husband would say, we haven't stopped talking since. So what a gift. What a gift to have that kind of recovery friendship. Claire has been my mother. She's been my sister. She's been my best friend. She's been my sponsor. She's been, you know, any kind of role. She's been my role model. She's been someone that I could call at any hour of the day and night and share my truth with. You know, she never shamed me. She never judged me, no matter what I called her and told her. It's, it's really has been a remark. We were talking about it just prior to knowing we were coming, we were going to be talking to you about it. And we were, and we were both saying to each other, it really is pretty remarkable. The, this friendship that we have had, we've traveled the world together. Before, I got remarried um, 14 years ago, but prior to that, what's that? So for 20 years, we were, traveling together, doing all, we still do a lot together, but you know, it's changed a little bit since I got remarried, but we, you know, we, we've gone, we went to Paris, we've gone to, to, to French speaking meetings, you know, we've been to India, we've traveled the world and, you know, someone was, you know, Claire is, is, is uh, my Gail, you know, we're each other's Gail, like Oprah has Gail, I have Claire. I love it. Yeah, and it really has been we've walked in each other's sunlight. We haven't walked in each other's shadows. We've both had good, you know, wonderful lives, and we've supported each other. I've never noticed a moment of jealousy, 
I don't feel jealous towards Claire. I can honestly say when she, she achieves something, I'm there, yahoo! And I have felt the same way with Claire towards me. We, we were even a part of a, a new calendar one time, raising money. Oh, hey. <laughs> you see Kathy's pretty face in the beach, and, and Claire's over here with her calendar, like, look at me naked with a butterfly. No, no, that's Kathy. That's Kathy. Oh, girl. I got to put that on Facebook or something. <laughs> oh, no. I would never. I know. But I was just sharing with you just all the adventures that we've been on. And one of them was we had done this leadership course and, we st- and, and to raise money for a woman over 50 to be able to go to this leadership program. So we decided, how could we raise money? And there was that, that, was the, that was going on then. So we decided to do the goddesses of leadership. So we both did, you know, tastefully, t- I say tastefully nude, but that was really fun. Our families were like, what? What are you two up to now? You know, so we've had a lot of fun on this journey. I think that it's celebrating and having fun on this recovery journey. And I remember one time looking at Claire and, she, and saying, someone was saying, oh, is it fun after you get sober? And we both said, we're having fun. You know, it really has been fun. You don't need alcohol to have a great time. No, and we talk about that a lot. I And honestly, for the listeners who are new in sobriety, if sobriety is your thing, I thought for sure I was going to lose all my friends and my husband, to be honest with you, because all we did was go to bars and have fun. In my <laughs> mind, right? I yeah. didn't understand our connection. I just thought he's going to leave me because I'm not fun anymore. And I've met a lot of, well, I've met the both of you in sobriety and I kind of feel like you've seen my personality and know that I'm a little bubbly. Can you imagine me like just, you know, snockered? I was going to say shit faced. I'm trying to censor myself because I respect you guys and I can't do it. I'm just going to go with the flow. Be yourself, honey. Be yourself. That's what we want you to be is yourself. I said snockered. Who says snockered? <laughs> I love that, snockered. <laughs> I'm trying to relate. I'm snockered. Who even says that? Claire, what do you think was, is, was soon to be one of your top craziest moments with Kathy? Oh my God, we've had so many. (laughs) Kathy has a better memory than I. I. I can just tell you, I've had 34 years of so much fun. Kathy is a planner. She'd call me up and she'd say, Claire, we're going to a workshop. I wouldn't even listen to what workshop it was. And she'd say, I'll pick you up on Friday. She picks me up on Friday and I get in. She tells me we're going for um, two nights or three nights. And it was a John Bradshaw workshop. I think that was one of the first ones we went to, Kathy. Yeah. I said to her, we're on the road now for about a half hour. I said, oh, by the way, where are we going? I had no <laughs> idea. I just knew wherever I went with her, I'd have fun. And it was, you know, she comes from a family of 13 children. I had just two brothers and I was a very strict family. You know, there was, I was just naive. And of course, um, with sisters, she had five sisters. So she was so much more open. And so, I mean, I just loved it. It was like my life opened up and all of a sudden I have this life. And it was just incredible. And I and I'll just say about Kathy, and the truth is, and I know there's an Irish proverb, but I gotta put it in the it says an eyes of the eyes of a friend to make a good mirror. And it is true. 
uh, when I look into Kathy's eyes, I only see the best of myself. And that's from day one. And for the last 34 years, when I look into her eyes, I only see the best of myself. And we have had so much fun. I mean, the calendar was a ball because I have <laughs> never gotten new. The, calendar, the guy came to take the picture or all standing there naked. And, you know, I mean, it was just, it was wonderful. It was like freedom. <laughs> My body, from, you know, here I'm always covered. I mean, I always, I, I dressed well. I wasn't provocative at all. I had a fabulous figure. And it was just like, oh, the freedom to just to, who cares, you know? Oh yeah, this is one of the funny moments. We're in, we're in France, on the south of France, and we're on the beach. And I'm exhausted, so I'm laying down sleeping, and all of a sudden, Kathy, Kathy says, wake up, wake up. I said, whoa, what, what, what? And I wake up, and I turn. She said, look, look. And I look up, and there's two guys standing quite close to us, absolutely nude. And I'm looking at Jesus hanging, on, hanging down on me. I just, I'm so tired. I said, Kathy, you see one, you see them all. <laughs> Kathy was out for my... And, I'm, and I said, no, that's not true, Cliff. I walk on the beach and all of a sudden, whoop, I whip off the top and she almost has a heart attack. So she backs up because she doesn't want to be with me to be seen because I, I've only got my little tiny bikini bottom on and I'm just swinging the top. I said, talk about freedom. <laughs> it sounds like Claire's the crazy one. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit, you know, but I think we both have our moments. But I do remember Claire, it, one time Claire borrowed her son's car. Oh, my God. It was a little Mercedes convertible. And we decided, oh, this is fun. Let's go to Provincetown, which is a really quaint little town on Cape Cod. And what we didn't, we got stopped by the police on the way home. And it turned out that the car wasn't registered. And Claire didn't know it. And so here we had been driving around all day in an unregistered car. So her son was not too happy about it. But he also, he had a good sense of humor about it. So we were saying that was our Thelma and Louise moment. And we just talked, the, we talked the policeman out of arresting us. And we ended up, he let us go. And it was so fantastic. We're like, yoo-hoo! Did Claire take a page from her own book and take off her top? Or did you guys like, no, we oh, don't. Believe it or not, I was doing Hail Marys in the, <laughs> in the passenger seat. So we go from Hail Marys to nude beaches. That's, you know. <laughs> and, the, and the policeman stopped us because he probably thought we were two young chicks, you know, speeding along at 1030 at night with the top down, singing up a storm. He stops, he takes him a look in, he goes, oh my God, these two, two older women. And, and of course, and I'm 10 years older than Kathy. So anyway... Um, and my son was in New York. He just left his car in my garage while he lived in New York. So it had been there for the longest time. And I figured, what the hell? What's the car in the garage for? I might as well take it out for a ride. <laughs> and the guy, well, he was going to give us a ticket. But then he didn't because the reason he didn't give us a ticket is because the car was unregistered. And then he would have had to sit with the two broads all night until he found us a ride home. And so he let us go and he told us to not speed and to drive the car into the garage. He made me call my son in New York. I called my, his girlfriend, who is now my daughter-in-law, to see where my son was. And he was, he was, he wasn't, he was angry. 
but you know, I thought I, I, I thought I had every right to take his car. He'd been, you know, in my, in my garage for so long. You're like, excuse me, I gave birth to you. I can take the car. <laughs> yes. yes, that's right. But we've just, we've had, we've had a lot of fun adventures. You know, we've just had a lot of fun. And, and I, I love going to 12 stop meetings in different countries. It's, you meet the most interesting people. You're always, I love the fact that the, the, the recovery has changed too. Whoops. I, somehow we got disconnected. Well, you know, you're still on. We hear you. We just can't see you. Ah, all of, all of a sudden, it's sorry about that, Laurie, but there's thunder and lightning here. So I uh -oh. wonder if that might have something to do with it. Well, let's hope not. Well, it could. It could. Maybe you were about to tell a story and that was a God shot that you should not tell any more stories about Claire <laughs> on New Beaches. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're actually pretty conservative East Coast gals when it really comes down to it. I feel like Irish Catholic. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just so you know, so we can have some connection more than we already have, because now I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm adding to the threesome here of the BFF crew. Um, I'd like to be adopted by the end of this show. Oh, yes, please. So it's we'd love to have, I'd love to have you. Yeah. Claire, <laughs> Kathy and Lori. Yeah. We'll have, a, we'll have to think of a fun name. Um, but I was raised, I didn't move to the West coast until my freshman year in high school. I was raised in um, New York on Staten Island. Oh, Oh, okay. And very much. And O'Hara was my mother's oh, name. Wow. Oh, wow. You're Irish. <laughs> so you understand the culture, right? I very much do. My memories are very consistent with what you have both spoke about your stories. And it's interesting that you, that we grow up to not judge and not to stereotype, but there's a, there is a stereotypical Irish Catholic dad, grandpa, husband, person whoever, um, that we, I think we have all experienced and you just live life that way. And you say, that's just him, or that's what, you know, and you know, my grandpa was that person for me. And it took me a really long time to understand when he was just sitting at the dining table, staring blankly at the prices, right. On <laughs> the television <laughs> while my grandmother served him everything that he grunted for. Um, you know, it took me a yeah. while to realize that's just not how life's supposed to be. And it's unfortunate that I know my mother has experienced some great trauma in her life between her growing up and then also her choices in men and is just not in a place where she's interested in, in getting help for that. So it's sad, but this isn't about sad. This is about happy. <laughs> So let's get out Lori's story and move on to Claire and Kathy. So you met in, in recovery, which is amazing. You've been friends forever. You also have a business together. Is that correct? You both do coaching? Well, yes, we're, we're both, I, I'm a psychotherapist and I've been in private practice for how many years now, Claire? 25, 30 years. And Claire was in the real estate business and she's very, very successful. One of the top brokers in the town that she lives in. And I was decided as a therapist, I had heard the word coaching like about 20 years ago. And I said, that's more what I think of myself as being a coach than a therapist. And so I decided to go and do some coaching training. And I was driving to the coach. I had, of course, you know, Claire had told Claire what I was up to. And the next thing I know, I'm driving to the coaching training. And she said, um, 
um, I think I'm going to do it too. I'm, I said, where are you? And she said, I'm on my way to Rhode Island. This is where the training was. And I'm going to do the training also. And so we've done a lot of professional things together too. Claire has something to say about that. What I was going to say is Kathy has always inspired me and she was so excited about coaching. And I had a weekend that I was not busy in real estate. And when you're successful in real estate, you're working 24 seven and, um, and I know how to work. Um, and so doesn't Kathy. And so anyway, um, she called me that morning before she left. And she said she was going to Providence um, and to Rhode Island to do this coaching. And I just knew she had this coaching thing because she'd gone out to Colorado and she had done this. I was supposed to go with her and I got busy and I couldn't go with her. Very few trips I haven't gone with her. <laughs> and so anyway, I, um, I got off the phone. I was so inspired. I went and called California, uh, the Coaching Training Institute, and I said, gee, you know, I understand that you're, you know, you've got a course going on in uh, Rhode Island, and I was wondering if there's any room for somebody else, because I thought, my thought was, let me just go so I can support her and know what she's so excited about, so I can, you know, I'll know a little bit about it. I had no intentions of becoming a coach, and so then I called her, and I said, oh, where are you? And she said, I told you, Claire, I'm on my way. And I said, oh, I am too. <laughs> and I took the coaching with her. So we both got the coaching certificate at the same time. Oh my gosh. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then we, and then we got certified and then I was, you know, as I said, I've been in private practice. So I've been really using it. Claire uses it even when she's doing a real estate, mm -hmm. but then we started co-leading retreats for women in recovery. And so we were doing that at a beautiful retreat center here on the Cape and really enjoyed, enjoyed doing that. We shared that interest of coaching and recovery. And it, it's just been incredible the more I think about it. And then I decided to become a She Recovers coach. And so I was telling, uh, yeah, I guess I'm the, one, I'm the one that's sort of out there trying different things. And I said, Claire, I love the She Recovers organization. I went on a retreat and she said, Oh, that's the next thing I know she did the she recovers. So it's really been fun. You know, well, what we have, go ahead, Claire. Kathy's spirit. She comes after she does these things. She took on this CTI, then gave a leadership. It was a four week course. It was one week every quarter. She came home from the first uh, time, the first one that she took, and she almost had me pinned against the wall, her enthusiasm. <laughs> I mean, I felt as though I was, I was, I was stuck on the wall with, with um, her excitement. And the next thing I said, oh, geez, this is so good. Like, maybe I ought to call. So the next day I go and I call and I go <laughs> and I join, but I do the next one after her. I graduated the next, uh, the next segment that they did. And as I said, she's been my inspiration. I just... Uh, and I want to say, if, Kathy, you are my soul sister. It's beyond oh. the, uh, the physical. It's spiritual. And one of her older sisters, her older sister, we were on the beach one day. Her older sister said to me, you know, she was introducing me to some guests that she had at her home. And she said, this is my soul sister, you know, spiritually. This is my soul sister. And I was so taken in. And I thought, yeah. Well, Kathy is my soul sister, and this is her sister. And um, yeah, it's it just an incredible, incredible. We have never had a fight. Now, we can disagree. We agree to disagree. You know, you can be up, you can be down, you can be inside, you can be outside. 
there's no judgment. There's only care. Something goes wrong in my life. I pick up the phone. I give her a call. She, the same way, it's mutual. Um, I respect her opinion. I, so I respect her suggestions. And um, I, think she, I think that she may say the same thing about me. It's just an incredible, it's a God thing. This could never, it was a God thing. He knew that we needed each other and, and it's, been a, it's been a miracle. Yeah, and I, and I would say, you know, we, we've had a lot of fun, but we've also had a lot of deep spiritual connection. And Claire actually married me in my second marriage. The, she got a dispensation, you know how you can get a dispensation for the day? And one of the reasons was, you, you know the whole Irish Catholic thing, if you divorce, you can't get married in the church again, right? Never. <laughs> <laughs> it's not real if you do. It doesn't work. You lied. Yeah. God knows. <laughs> I didn't really care about that, but I did say to my husband, I would really like it to be a spiritual ceremony. And so I'd really like to have somebody spiritual marry us. And my husband said, I can't think of anybody more spiritual than Claire. Why don't we ask Claire to do it? Oh. So this just goes to show you that the, the range of our relationship goes from fun to deeply connected spiritually. And one of the things when we were in that leadership course, we got soul, what they call soul typed. And Claire's a soul type one. What they say about the soul type one is they delight in every soul's beauty. And I would say that is so true about Claire. She delights in everybody's beauty. I never hear her say a bad word about anybody. I'm not kidding. She's just always sees the best in people. And she's always has, always has seen the best in me. And that soul type one, I think that that really explains a lot about Claire. And I'm a soul type three. And soul type threes are inspiration. They're, they're known for igniting the fire of creation. And wouldn't you say that's true about us, Claire? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Your soul type, you know, have a very deep soul. And I, I love to be inspired, to be inspired and to inspire. And what could be better for a person that wants to do that than to have a friendship with someone like Claire, who loves to be inspired too. And she really, I'm not kidding when I say, if I called her and said, do you want to go jump off the Brooklyn Bridge? She'd say, okay, you know, <laughs> but hopefully I haven't asked her to do anything like that. But we climb mountains. Hopefully I've got some boundaries, honey. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. we, you know, we've done, just, just last year we did a, a charity bike ride. We rode our bikes from the beginning of Cape Cod to the end, which was 62 miles, 100 kilometers. On a bicycle? On a bicycle. Get out of here. <laughs> Why would you do something like that? To, to raise money for a local charity. Girl, just give the money. You have the money. You're a psychotherapist. Just give the money. Get Claire's real estate cash. Yeah, but, it, but it was very inspiring to do something that you've never done before. And that's what I think recovery gives you. I mean, I was 60, I saw this, I love this organization on Cape Cod. And I saw, oh, 62 mile bike ride. And it just happened to be the year that I was 62. And I said, oh, that's what I think I'll do on my, six, my 62nd year, a bike ride for 62 miles. Oh my and gosh. then the next thing I know, Claire came and did it. And she ended up getting the award for the most experienced woman on the route. And she said, oh no, I think they made a mistake. And then she turned over the thing and it said the oldest woman. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, how inspiring is that? And she was 75 and I, at the time she did it and I was 65 
And then we also walked 300 miles across, across northern Spain together. What? We did the Camino. Yeah, that was four years ago. Loved it. Oh, my gosh. You, listen, listen, I can't. Okay, you guys just have talked about inspiration, and I just thought I would really sit here and listen to you chit-chat. And I never, I don't usually compare, but I'm feeling really inadequate as a young woman that I have not experienced these things. And I'm telling you, I want to jump on board the Kathy and Claire train and not necessarily bike 62 miles, but maybe like be a photographer. <laughs> well, it's inspiring, but um, I don't know. I think I would die. <laughs> Well, you know, I do, I do think we have to be who I have to, we have to be ourselves. So it's never comparing, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I think that I want to die, not with my song still in me. I want to have sung it and sung it at the top of my lungs and then true to myself. And I think that's the beauty of our friendship is that we've never asked each other to be not who we are. You know, if this is something that you'd like to do, great. But if it isn't, that's okay too. Yeah, that's important in every relationship. Yes. Claire, you had a thought. Um, no, my, no, my thought was um, each time we've done something that's been a learning. And when I did leadership, the learning when I was soul typed, I can honestly say it's the first time I owned my own gifts when I was soul typed one. And I knew when I was coming from my heart and my soul because I never could accept that. I thought that, you know, I loved being with Kathy and I saw her gift, but I never saw my gifts. And so, I mean, this recovery is, it's a, it's a journey and it's just incredible what you learn about yourself. And, you know, it's it, learning about how to be with others and to, to love them and, um, and to be aware. It's really, it's in the moment. It's being aware, aware what's going on and how you are showing up in the world, not judging yourself, but just being aware. And when you see these things happen and the changes happen in yourself, there's something that is just so beautiful. It's really love. It's love. Um, you know, I believe that's what God is, love. Um, I see um, Kathy, um, her spirit, it's love. And I see my own today. So it's like, yeah, we're all in this together and we can't do it alone. And so that's why it's so important for us. You know, it's being vulnerable, being willing. And now I can laugh at myself. I have, oh, by the way, I have shame attacks and I have them usually in my car. And I, I get, I'm driving along in the car and I go, fuck you. And then I Oh my God, there's nobody in the car. And I am, I just, and that's, and I say, it's a shame attack. And it's something that happened a long time ago. And this is how it comes out. And it, I'm telling you, it happens. It used to happen all the time now, but it still happens. It happened um, the other day. <laughs> and I went, Yo! And, uh, and I said, God, I'm so sorry. I said, you know, because when I do that, I know I'm fucking you and I'm also fucking me. And when I fuck me, I'm fucking you. So, I mean, you know, it's like, yeah, I do. <laughs> oh my gosh, Claire is speaking my language. I feel so accomplished. <laughs> and she hardly ever uses that word, Laurie. So she just really, said it really... 17 times. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm 
telling you, even even my ears are burning. Right? I'm by myself when it happens. And uh, doesn't it feel so good? <laughs> well, the idea is, I, you know, sometimes I say to myself, oh, my God, am I still doing this work? You know, is this healing? You know, what's going on here? And I, but you know what? If you can laugh at yourself, that's the whole, when you don't take yourself serious, you know, this is just the human condition and it's fun to laugh at yourself. And I do, I laugh at myself all the time. And I have a grandson that lives with me and he'll laugh at me <laughs> and laugh at myself. <laughs> yeah, we're pretty funny beings. My husband tells me almost daily, it's really fun watching you. And I think like, <laughs> what does he mean by that? So I really pay attention. And I think this morning when I was grabbing my daughter's lunchbox out of the refrigerator and dropped an entire bowl of cherries all over the floor and then happened to step on them mm -hmm. as I was trying to pick them up was what he finds fun. <laughs> yeah. But we have to laugh at yourself, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. It's so funny because I, I was at my mother's taking care of my 92-year-old mother last week. And I came home and my husband said the same thing. He said, oh, it's been so boring around here. I'm so glad you're home. It's great, you know, that when you can be yourself. I think that that's what recovery allows you to do is to just be yourself and, and to be authentic and not have to put on airs for anybody. And yes. when, you, when you have the freedom to do that, I think it's very compelling to other people. Absolutely. Claire, what do you think your proudest moment in your recovery oh journey God, has I been? I didn't have any time. I didn't. What is my proudest moment? She's like, I didn't have time. Listen, lady, I'm a perfectionist and I need to have the perfect answer. So why didn't you ask me this before the interview, right? That's what I'm thinking. I know that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> and then she's going to go in the car and scream, fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> my I just had so many proud moments. Claire, I can think of one for you. <laughs> Do you want to? I mean, you can think of one while I'm thinking. Yeah, if you, I was thinking when you did when you did the eulogy for Helen. That was one of my best friends, my friend that I've had for sixty four years. I met her freshman year in high school, and we remained friends. And she passed away last year, and I gave her eulogy. And I also I could say my proudest moments was being with her when she passed. It was the most beautiful experience I've ever had. And uh, it was very quick. It was eight weeks she, from, from diagnosis to death. I asked permission of my friend Helen, is it okay for me to be with you? Because you don't know the family is there. And she wanted me there. She said, you're my spiritual friend. And so I was with her uh, just, you know, as much as I could in the last few days, I was with her just about all the time. And what it is, the proudest moment is because I was able to be with her with love and kindness and appreciation and, and massage her feet and just know the next right thing to do. I brought spiritual, um, just some illustrations and I would just make up the words and talk about, about God, but very little and just show her the picture because she was beauty was one of her things. And it was just to be, this is all about recovery because I wouldn't know how to be there for somebody dying, I would have run from it. And now today, I know that I can be there for any uh, for anyone that is in uh, that kind of a situation, or that I can be there for people when they're in their pain, because I feel as though prior to prior to this recovery, I never could be with my own pain. So I wouldn't be able to be with yours. And today I can be with yours. And that feels really good uh, to be able to do that. Wow. 
And then she was worried that I didn't give her the question before the interview. <laughs> you, you did good, kid. You did uh, good. Yeah, thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> sweetheart. Sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy, what do you think your, or Claire, what do you think, Kathy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to answer for who. I need Kathy's proudest moment in recovery. Oh, again, there's been so many. You know, I've had, I, I, I have to say, the external, I've had a lot of recognition as a therapist and a woman that's helped other women. Um, at one time, I got Woman of the Year from an organization on the Cape. And that was a proud moment, you know. But, but I think the, the, there's those external achievements, you know, that you feel good about. But I love the one that Claire described. Is I, I remember one day just driving down the street and having this overwhelming feeling of gratitude for the life that I've, that I've been able to live. And I really attribute that deep sense of gratitude and the ability to love in a way that I couldn't love before, before recovery. So, you know, I, I don't know. Th those were proud. Those were wonderful moments. And then there has been those, those achievement moments also, because I really do think that in recovery, you get to be the woman that you were meant to be. You know, I really feel like I get to be my highest and best self. Not that it's, not that it's, that it's ever ending, you know, because there's always another layer on the onion to peel. But in lots of ways, I really have been able to be the, the woman I would have wanted to be. And so that's a, that's a wonderful feeling. You know, those private moments when you say, oh, wow, you know, I'm really happy or I'm really grateful or I can feel my heart so full of love for someone else. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. With you both speaking your truth, it made me think of myself and sort of being a newbie. I'm close to five years in sobriety. Congratulations. Thank you. That's great. Oh, it's wonderful, honey. I have zero idea how long I've been in recovery because my first year was just... <laughs> <laughs> everybody, honey, everybody. Yeah. So what I would love selfishly is if you had some advice, let's say for me specifically... I am a, a woman now considered in recovery from all the things, but alcohol use disorder, grief for loss of loved ones, childhood trauma, depression, anxiety, perfectionism, workaholism. You probably think I'm just starting, right? Like this is my life is just starting. I'm 43 years old. I have a seven-year-old that I'm still walking to school. I have a, two high schoolers. And, you know, my husband asks me sometimes, what are you doing? Because you work really hard. And you're not getting paid for anything that you do. <laughs> I volunteer a lot of my time and try to keep up on the laundry at the same time. Kathy, what you just said rang so true to me. And I'm so happy that you said it because it's sitting with me is becoming the woman you're supposed to be. And I keep feeling drawn to telling stories, telling my story, telling other people's stories, sharing stories, because I feel like that's my gift is to be able to give that yeah. to other people. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yes. I think it's definitely your gift, Laurie. You know, and, and, and I think we just have to own our gifts and then have the courage to step into them. And look at you having the courage to start this podcast. Or I think of Claire and I having the courage to, to lead re women's recovery retreats. You know, sometimes it's like get out of your comfort zone, trust the process, don't worry about the money. 
you know, just your life is unfolding perfectly. Can you tell my husband that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and it's never a need, you know, it's never enough. It doesn't matter. If you have four cars, let's have five. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Claire, when you were telling your story, I felt so connected to that because that's how I feel. One of my rock bottom, in my mind, you know, I didn't crash a car or go to jail, but uh, my family was definitely being torn apart because of my behavior with drinking. And that was really something. And until this day, my husband and I are still working on was he has worked so hard in his career to provide for the family. And then when he would come home, I was so miserable for me, I was miserable with myself and how in my mind I wasn't successful because I had stopped working in the career field. I decided to, we decided to stay home and, and take care of the new baby. And that wasn't what I needed or wanted. And I went off the deep end and drank a lot. <laughs> the bottle was my friend. So it was interesting, Claire, what it was is what I always call the, you know, the perfect life. And on the outside, it looked so good. <laughs> And the only person that really didn't have it was me. You know, it had nothing to do with my husband or what he did or didn't provide for the family. It was just my own feelings of myself and not worthy of anything. And so it's been a really interesting journey with this recovery and trying to sort of find your way and yeah. what's your purpose. You know, I'd say is, Laurie, is that you're exactly where you're supposed to be. You're not supposed to know what's on the other side of the door, you know, and I went to therapy when I'd gone out there. I broke out um, in the food, not the alcohol, um, but I broke out in the food after oh, probably about 21 years ago for a year. And uh, I went to therapy and I wanted to, be, I wanted to please this um, therapist. And I said to her, am I going fast enough? And she says, sometimes she said, Claire, we have to slow down in order to speed up. I have never forgotten it. And so when I was five years sober, like you are, I would, you know, I, my, my life is automatic. It just had, God gave me, I, I didn't plan anything. I didn't plan my, I could whisper a little bit because I had a grandchild in the house. Um, I didn't even, I didn't plan his mother. Um, I didn't, pl I didn't plan any of my children because I was doing, um, um, what, what, what do they call that? The Catholic um, way. I forgot what even they called it. Um, rhythm, 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 the rhythm. Oh, the rhythm <laughs> method, right? <laughs> well, it didn't have much rhythm in my life. Every time I had rhythm, I got pregnant. But anyway, uh, so it's like, <laughs> so anyway, I, <laughs> I, you know, so it's like, I didn't, you know, and just my 34 years experiences, Laurie, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. You are an inspirer um, and that you're doing what you're doing now. Just keep doing it. It'll, it, you, you can't get there until you get there and, you know, do what you love doing and the, it'll pay off. It'll pay off. And yeah, my, and what I would say too, Laurie, is keep your spirit alive. Mm -hmm. You know, like anytime I had a question about something, I would say is, is this feeding my spirit? Mm, yeah, that's good. Does my spirit feel alive? doing this. Yes. And if my spirit felt alive, I would go towards it. But there were lots of times that the ego gets involved, you know, like, you know, I can look around and say, Oh, look at this one. So successful at doing what she's doing. And, but I, I have to say that lots of times I did, I followed my spirit and I tried to keep my spirit alive. And I think that when you do that, there's nothing better that you can give your family your friends, your community, the world, than a live spirit. 
So if you can follow that, and it's and someone was, would say, well, I felt more alive when I was drinking. That's not the spirit I'm talking about, right? I'm talking about that deep knowing inside about that your spirit's alive. You know when that's when it's alive and when it isn't. It's alive right now. I can see it, right? Mm -hmm. And Laurie, and I would just say to you, um, we're the the we are our own critics. Nobody's thinking about you the way you're thinking about yourself, and it's all made up. It isn't true. It's the ego. And I loved, you know, the acronym of edging God out, because when you think about it, it's almost like the hell you're in because you, 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 we create it. And so if you can stay away from that, just know it's, a, it's not a true story. It's not, we are spirit. We're not the, we're not, this is the earth suit. We are spirit and it's love. You are love. And that's what, and, you're, and when you're an inspiration, a person of inspiration that inspires others, then that's what you have to go with. You're an inspirer, honey. And you're in a, you, you're, you, your spirit is alive. So just, you know, Kathy to her son called her and said, mom, I'm really, I'm, I'm really depressed. And Kathy, you might want to tell the story about your own son because it's your story to tell. Well, my son was at Boston College, you know, which is a, is a wonderful, I don't know if you've ever heard of yes. it, but it's a wonderful school. And he got into the honors program, the Carroll School of Business. And I remember when he was applying to that, I thought, hmm, is that real? But I thought, oh, well, you know, stay out of it, Kath, right? He didn't ask your opinion. So doesn't he go to the Carroll School of Business? And after one semester, he says, oh, I don't like this. So I said to him, Matt, where do you feel the most alive? Where do you feel the most alive? And he said, in the art studio. And I said, that's where you need to be, Matt. The world doesn't need any more disgruntled businessmen. <laughs> but it could use a few inspired artists. And, and plus, you have to be true to yourself, Matt. You know, but he saw, he, he saw people around him that were very successful and he wanted to earn a lot of money and be a successful businessman. But if that's not where his heart lay, you know, if that isn't what he was supposed to be doing with this life, he wouldn't be happy doing that. And, he, and now he's working at Blizzard Entertainment. He has a, is a senior concept artist. He has an incredible job. He's so successful and he loves what he does. Amazing. So, I'm sorry, Claire. Was there something you wanted no, to no. add? No, no. I wanted to say that I, my, um, and it's your story is that he called up and he said, mom, I'm depressed. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't remember the depressed part, but I do remember yeah. he said, I, I made a mistake, you mm. know, to being a, being a business major, but anyway. And then you gave him permission to be, you know, to do what, you know, that what he loved most to go into the art room, spend more time in the art room. And then you called me and you said, Claire, I just heard from oh, Matt, and, you know, and then, oh my God, how is he going to make a living? But you told him the right thing. And he, then he sent you a letter. He probably was around 28, uh, 27 or 28. Yeah. Um, and you can say what he had told you. I mean, just, just so many times he thanked me for supporting him and, and being who, who he was and yeah. not pushing him into an area. So right. it's, that's the, I think that's the secret of recovery is we get to be who we are and we get to encourage other people to be who they are. That's the beauty, isn't it? And, and I know when I, in my mar when I was getting remarried, I wrote into my wedding vows, I am not responsible for your happiness. Yes. And you are not responsible for my happiness. And that I am 100% responsible for my own happiness. And then I can come into the, be in a relationship with you and enhance your life. 
But if you're sitting there waiting for me to make you happy, it's going to be a burden on me. And it's just not a good thing, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. So I would say be 100% responsible for your happiness and tell your husband he needs to be 100% responsible for his happiness. I will, he better listen to this and you're going to tell him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And my husband, all, my husband often says, you know, you, I've never been so happy. You make me happy. But I know it's not, I don't make him happy. He, but he has, the, he has the freedom to be who he is, I think, in the relationship. And I have the freedom to be who I am. And so we, and I'm not, believe me, there were days, Claire knows, there were days when I'm like, ah, what did <laughs> right. I do? Right. Why did I get married? Right. But on the whole, it's knowing that I'm not responsible for someone else's happiness. And in our friendship, Claire, has, we don't have expectations of each other. You get to be who you are, Claire, and I get to be who I am. I love it. Mm-hmm. If you can believe this, we've been doing this for an hour and a half. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Right? Really? <laughs> well, honey, honey, you're part of our group now because we do this 24 hours a day. We, we, you know, we, we used to go, we'd go to a meeting on a, on, a, on a Sunday morning. We would have lunch. We would talk um, for the next three hours, and then we'd have supper in the same place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, I love it. I can't wait till we can travel. I'm coming to the East Coast. Well, and this is a problem for me, though, as much as I love you, ladies. I don't know, I don't know where my loyalty is going to be because I'm a big Yankees fan and oh I know red socks red socks remember you get, you get to be you and it's perfectly okay but I do I I would like to say without anyone that is a Yankees fan to consider me a traitor I do like to experience new things and would love to see Fenway so perhaps we can oh great yeah but I I don't want to you know I can't I have to work on that. Maybe that could be a session. Maybe I'll have to pay for a session with you two birds to <laughs> figure out how I can navigate my New York through Boston. <laughs> what I would love to do is if you have any partying, anything specific that you want to make sure we get out to the masses about, you know, your stories. All I'd say is it's worth it. It is worth it. It has, you know, at 44, I walked into the halls of, for mine. It doesn't matter what it is, AA, and my life began. And my life has gotten better and better every year after. And uh, you can't do it alone. Keep connected, keep talking, and it'll all work out. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. You know, it's love yourself. You are all lovable. I'm lovable. You're lovable. That's so lovable. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and I would say connection. You know, we, can, we learn to survive on our own. We can learn to survive on our own but we learn to thrive in connection. And so that's the, the best gift that I've been given in recovery is all the incredible connections that I've had with all these incredible women that, that I feel that are rooting for me and that I'm rooting for. So get connected, whatever it takes, get connected. That's such great, wise advice. I appreciate both of your time. I have one last question for each of you, which is the question that I ask everyone. If you had the opportunity to have dinner with anyone, who would your favorite dinner guest be, dead or alive, and why? I would say the the person that I would would have loved to have had dinner with was Mother Teresa. But I don't know why, but she, my father was an airline pilot, and he flew Mother Teresa one time on his airplane. Stop yourself. Yes. No. Yes, and she gave him. Yes, and we still have one of our possessions is 
um, an autographed prayer from, from Mother Teresa. Not even possible. Yeah. I don't believe it. <laughs> yes, yes. That's the true story. And so I've always felt, I've been fascinated with her and I've read a lot about her. And I, what I love is that she had a conversion experience. And I think that's what recovery really ends up being, is a conversion experience. There's a, there's a moment when you say, I don't want to do it this way anymore. I want to do it differently. And I think that for Mother Teresa, she became a saint. And one of the reasons she became a saint is because she had a conversion experience. Her faith, she, she, was, she was losing her faith at one time. And she, she had this conversion experience. She had the dark night of the soul where she really wondered if God was with her and if faith was, isn't that interesting? And so I really would like to talk to her about that, about her conversion experience and what she thought about recovery. And, and do we all, that anybody that's stepping into higher consciousness, I think has to have some kind of a conversion experience. And I think that is what happens in recovery. Um, Kathy, that just um, really makes me feel like I should rethink my Mariah Carey as wanting to be my <laughs> Blair, what do you have? What do you, who's your, who's your, who's your, uh... you, you know, I'm almost blank on it because Ooh. I don't really care about <laughs> it. I'm, I'm, I'm just as happy. I'm just as happy to go out with you and have lunch with you and connect with you and see your spirit. Cause I don't see anybody's spirit any different. I'm, I'm one of those people that, you know, it's not even, Kathy one time said to me, we were doing some kind of an exercise at one of the programs we were doing, and she came up behind me and she put her hands over my eyes and she said, what color eyes do, you have, do I have? I didn't know. When I look at you, I don't see your eyes. I see beyond that. It's like, it's almost like I see it's spirit that I'm connected with. So I honestly, I am just as happy to be with anyone that is willing to be vulnerable and be, um, be in my presence. And I just feel love. And so I don't know if there's, there's nobody I'd ever think about. I don't care about actresses or actors or anything like that. How about, how about one of your grandchildren, Claire? That's what I would uh, thought you would uh, well, said. Well, like that. Uh, you love being. For, yeah. Well, my granddaughter. I, I had to, took my two granddaughters out, you know, last year and I had planned it because they're sisters and I didn't get much chance to really talk to them because their parents went through a divorce and blah, blah. And one was um, out of college and the other one was just um, was a sophomore in college. I just laid it. I went out and I had the best time. I had two and a half hours and we talked about the spiritual journey. I talked about my alcoholism. I didn't, you know, I just said, don't wait as long as your grandmother. If you have a problem, you know, I'm open for you. I love connection. And I have a little granddaughter and a happy moment was I, I had the a time with her and I had judged her on one particular day. I left the house and I felt miserable. And I asked God, I said, please, I said, give me the time to apologize to her. She didn't get heard the way she deserved to be heard. And I happened to be over there and I was with her and the family was sitting around and it was just she and I looking at each other and the family was all in the same room, but I didn't even know that, you know, I knew they were there, but I wasn't paying attention. And I got this little tap on my shoulder and it said, this is the time. And I just said to her, honey, I just want you to know how important you are and everything, what you have to say is really important to me. And the other day, I didn't listen the way I wanted to listen. And I want to let you know that I love you and that I'm sorry that I wasn't there the way I would like to have been there for you. And she looked at me and she said, 
Thank you, Graham. You know, those are the things. It's the soul connection. I don't care about your title. Never did care about people's titles. You know, interacting, being connected, soul connected with somebody. It's a privilege. And so I guess that's where I'm at. I was going to say Maya Angelou, but you know what? The world is full of Maya Angelos. You know, we're, each one of us has that potential. If you come to Boston, we'll have lunch and I'll just think that I'm with the queen. Love you it. know? Well, you would be. <laughs> the queen of, yeah, right. <laughs> Kathy and Claire, I appreciate your time more than you'll ever know. Thank you so much for the connection. So amazing. I can't wait to get to Boston. This is the end of our interview. Thank you for coming. It was fun. Thank, Thank you. you. Yes. Woohoo. <laughs> that was a lot of fun, Laurie. Yeah. We're gonna have you be in our next nude calendar. <laughs> the, 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 the goddess the goddesses of um, she can. Well, make sure you have a lot of material she, no, to cover. She she recovers, right? She I'll covers send you the pictures, Laurie. Uh, she covers. Yes, yeah, she, she covers. covers is where we'll be. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, honey. Thank you so much Thank for, you, for having us, Laurie. You're wonderful. Yeah. Keep living your mission. Absolutely. Thank you, ladies. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Recovery Hour podcast. Successful podcasts equal subscribers and good ratings. Please take a few minutes to rate, review, and subscribe. To learn more about me, your host, Lori Windfeld, jump on over to therecoveryhour.com. Here you'll find information on my coaching and speaking practices, as well as information on guests of the show. If you're still listening to this and you haven't subscribed to my mom yet, what are you doing? You're lame. So go do it right now. All right, all right, calm down. Sorry about that. He's just really excited for this to be successful since I I've been spending all of my free time on this project and not with him. While you aren't lame, as my son suggests, I would really appreciate a few minutes of your time to subscribe. While it doesn't seem like much, it really does help my goal in spreading the word of recovery. Until next time, let's continue to inspire, live, and give.